So today, as we uh, as we prepare for the uh, the forty days, um, the uh, sermon's entitled "Don't Waste Your Life." Uh, for some of you, it might be a bit late because you may feel that you've uh, you've lived most of your life, and this message may not come too late. But maybe we should say, "Don't waste uh, what's left of your life," or "Don't waste the remaining days of your life." But I, I guess you know where we're going here, and. Uh, We begin by uh, looking at this passage here that says, Be careful how you live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now you might want to uh, notice or circle the word careful. It says, Be careful how you live. Now, of course, the opposite of careful is careless. It says, don't be careless. Literally, what it says here, it says, you know, don't stumble through life. Don't just drift through life. Think it through. Know what it is that you're here for. Know the purpose. Make the most of every opportunity. Be wise. And then it says this, it says, try to understand what God wants you to do. Try to understand what God wants you to do. If I would ask you to be honest, how many of you would say you would really like to know what it is that God wants you to do? Would you like to know that? You'd really like to know what it is that God wants you to do with your life. Why you're here. Uh, what on earth you're here for. What it is that God wants you to do. Well, uh, if you're wanting to know that answer, and maybe you know other people too that would like to know this answer... Um, 40 days of purpose will answer these questions. And uh, over the next six weeks, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be answering that very basic question. What on earth are we here for? What is the purpose of life? And uh, I would encourage you, if you know friends and family uh, that you feel might be uh, interested in that question, uh, to invite them along either on a Sunday morning or to a small group or to read this book, 40 Days of Purpose, with us. Because that's what we're going to be doing. But today we're preparing. And we're going to be asking uh, three important questions of life. And they're there on your outline. What does God want? What does it take? And why should I do it? Why should I bother? Um, And uh, these three questions are what we're going to look at this morning. So let's start by asking, what is it that God wants? What does God want? What does it involve? What is it that God wants from us? And uh, the answer is, and this is where you can fill it in if you've got a pen. If you can't, you'll just have to try and remember it. What God wants for us is my whole life. God wants your whole life. You know, there's not a single verse in the Bible, not one, that says you can be a Christian and live your life any way that you want to. It's not there. Nowhere does it say in the Bible that being a Christian means doing exactly what you want to do. You see, God doesn't want just uh, 10% of our life. He doesn't want just one day of our life. He doesn't want 50% of our life. He doesn't want 99% of our life. He wants the whole of our lives. He wants us to give ourselves wholly to him. He wants everything. And God is very clear about it. There's no mystery. Look at what the Bible says in Romans 6 verse 13. Give yourself completely to God since you have been given new life, and use your whole body as a tool to do 
what is right for the glory of God. Notice that word completely and whole body. Now God is clear about this. Um, He wants everything. C.S. Lewis once said, there's only one thing that Christian cannot be moderately important. Sorry, the only one, the only thing Christian, Christianity cannot be is moderately important. If it's really true, then it deserves everything. If it's not true, then we shouldn't be here right now. The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. In other words, it's either all or nothing. It's either true or it's false. See, a lot of people sit on the fence. They say, well, I I don't really know what God wants me to do. But look at this next verse. This is what the Lord, your God, wants you to do. Respect the Lord and do what he has told you to do. Love him, serve the Lord your God with your whole being. It's there, again, that word, whole being. See, a lot of people, they say, well, I'll serve God in my spare time, basically. You know, um, I've got my family life, I've got my social life, I've got my work, I've got my career, and I've got my spiritual life. And what we do is we tend to divide our life up into little portions as if it was a pie. You know, and we cut it up and we say, well, this portion of the pie is my family, this portion of my pie is my work, this portion of my pie is my social life. And uh, we pigeonhole God, God to a small part of our life. Uh, We come to church on a Sunday and we think about God. And then we go away and we do whatever we do for the rest of the week. And this isn't how it's supposed to be. This isn't what Christianity is about. You see, there's a myth that says, you know, we can have it all. We can do everything. But it's not true. We have to choose what it is we're going to do. Look at this next verse. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. He says, it's impossible. And what's Jesus talking about here? He's saying, really, it's impossible to have Two number one priorities in your life. You're always going to have a number one, and then there'll be a number two, and a number three, and a number four, and a number five. You can't have two priorities in your life. Now there's lots of things besides money that can be uh, a priority in our lives. That can take first place. You can push God out of first place by all sorts of things. Uh, I've known people who are are totally dedicated uh, to the sports. You know, that's the number one thing in their lives. Uh, Maybe they follow a football team and and that's the thing that they eat, sleep and uh, and worship. Uh, Every day that's taken priority in their lives. There's other things that can take priority in their lives. Some people are workaholics. Uh, You know, they work every hour of the day and even when they're at home, their mind's on work. And that's their priority. It's not that these things aren't important. It isn't even that these things aren't good and healthy and uh, things that we should be engaged in. It's just that what God wants from us is first place in our lives. He doesn't want second place or third place or fourth place. He wants our whole lives. He wants to be 
the number one. You see, one time, uh, Jesus, uh, somebody came up to Jesus, this was in Luke 9, and said, uh, I will follow you, uh, but first let me go take care of some things I've got to take care of. I need to bury my father. Um, and there's that little phrase, Lord, let me first. And of course it's a contradiction. Because if Jesus is Lord of our lives, then he is first. And something else can't then take first place. If he's number one, if he's in charge, if he is really Lord, then if we say, well, let me first do this before I come and follow you, or let me first do that before I come and follow you, what we're actually doing is we're demoting God to second place. And we're saying there are other things that are more important. It's not that these things aren't important. It's just that God is saying that I'm the most important thing in your lives. And most of us would say that. But the question is, do we actually live it and do we mean it? And do we actually live our lives as if God was first in our lives? See, a lot of the time what happens in church is, is we know the right answers. We know what to say. The problems that we have is actually putting it into practice. We know what God wants us to do, really. The hard bit, the difficult bit, is actually living the life that God wants us to live. Let me first go and do this. Let me first go on that. The question really is, what is it that's taking first place in your life? What is it? What's the first thing you think of when you wake up in the morning? What's the the last thing you think of before you go to bed at night? What is it? That dominates and preoccupies and takes up the time in your life. Jesus told a story. He said it's like a king who plans a banquet. And he goes out and he invites everyone to come to this wonderful banquet. And he said people began to make excuses. This verse isn't on your your outline. But he says this. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said I've just got married so I can't come. These people that were invited to the banquet by the king, they all turned him down. The first one used wealth as an excuse. Just bought some land and I've got to look at it. Um, The second used his work as an excuse. I've got to go and plow plow my field. And the third used his family as an excuse. I've just got married. And uh, they all made excuses why they couldn't come to the banquet. You know, I can guarantee there will be people in this church... Um, who won't fully enter into the 40 days of purpose. They'll make excuses. They'll say, well, Richard, you know, um, I'm sure it's a really good thing, but I've, I've got this to do, and I'm, I'm a busy person, and I've got my work, and I've got my family life, and I've got this. And, uh, you know, you look at my to-do list, Richard, and you would understand um, just how busy I am. And uh, one of the things we want to do in the 40 days of purpose is to help people prioritise what is really important in their lives. Look at this next verse. The Bible says, In everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. In everything you do, put God first. God wants to take first place. And he says that when you do that, he will crown your efforts with success. Anybody wants to be successful? I want to be successful. 
Uh, but when we talk about success, we're not talking about success in the way that the world talks about success. The world talks about success in terms of wealth and in terms of what you have and in terms of what you do as a job. And uh, in the Bible, success in Jesus' terms is something very different. So the first question in his life is, what does God want? What does God want? And the answer is, he wants my whole life. This is what God wants for us. He wants everything. And there were people here this morning uh, who are committed to God up to a certain point. Um, but we haven't been prepared to make that total commitment. We're not prepared to give the God whole of our lives. We'll give him a little bit of our lives. We'll make room for him here and there. But we don't involve him in everything that's going on in our lives. So the question, the second question is this. So what does it take then? What does it take uh, to give God the whole of our lives? Uh, what do we need to do? I'm going to say a word, and it's, it's, it's not a word that you're going to like very much. Uh, it's not a very popular word. It's uh, something that will kind of make you go, oh. And the word is discipline. I don't know, the first thing that pops into my mind when I think of discipline was school. Uh, you know, I was brought up in the days where uh, discipline meant, meant uh, a pump or a ruler on the hands. And uh, so it's got kind of negative uh, uh, connotations, the word discipline, hasn't it? Uh, but actually, <coughs> uh, knowing some of you, uh, some of you are actually quite disciplined people. Some of your lives are actually quite disciplined. Uh, and many of you will get up at exactly the same time every morning. Uh, you'll have a routine. Uh, you know, you'll get up and you'll go and make a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. You might even take your, your wife or your husband uh, a cup of tea or a cup of coffee in bed. You'll have a, a quite a rigid routine, I imagine, many of you. Uh, you'll go to work at a, a certain time, some of you, or you'll do certain jobs. And, and actually, if you look at your lives, uh, discipline is there in your lives. Uh, actually, we are quite uh, disciplined. Some people never miss a physical workout. Some people go for a walk every day. Some people go to the gym. For some people, uh, there are television programs that they just wouldn't miss. Uh, you know, Coronation Street, EastEnders. I used to watch Coronation Street till it started being on about three times a week, and now I think it's on about 33 times a week, and I, I just can't keep up, so I just gave up in the end. Uh, I get into it now and again, but uh, I just realised that, you know, uh, I couldn't keep up with it. Uh, but there some people who are very disciplined about, you know, what they watch and what they do, and uh, you'll know if you're one of those people. And uh, there's no word that we could use instead of discipline. Uh, and that is habits. And maybe uh, habit is a, is, is a word that you, uh, you warm to a little bit more. Uh, because habits are just things that, that we do automatically without thinking. We do it by habit. This is what the Bible says in, uh, in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 7. Discipline yourself... For the purpose of godliness. Really what discipline is, is it can be described in two words. Delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. Discipline is doing the difficult thing now in order to enjoy the benefit later. Doing the difficult thing now in order to enjoy the benefit later. And what we want to do during these 40 days of purpose, which begins next week is to help you develop some new spiritual disciplines or habits in your lives. So that each day, um, 
You will have a daily quiet time. Nothing new about that. Some of you, I'm sure, already do it. Uh, But we'll be doing it together and uh, building this habit into our lives. Uh, Once a week, hopefully, everyone will be joining in a small group. And uh, meeting together to discuss and uh, and uh, and uh, sort of talk about God's word and listen to a, a DVD by Rick Warren. And then there will be a, a Bible verse for you to learn. Uh, which again, some people think, well, I'm not playing, I'm not joining in. Uh, it sounds silly to me, I don't need to learn Bible verses. I did that when I was at Sunday school. And uh, there's part of you, I'm a bit like that, you know. Um, believe it or not... Uh, many years ago I was a bit of a rebel and uh, you know someone told me to do something I thought well I'm not going to do that I'm going to do my own thing and there will be something in some of you that will say well I don't really want to join in I'll just stick on the fringe I'll just kind of and if you do that uh, not only will you miss out but the church as a whole will miss out because part of the great thing about 40 days of purpose is there's something about us all doing the same thing together Something is about us travelling together on this spiritual journey uh, that actually not only strengthens the individual Christian, but also strengthens the church as a whole. So, discipline. Uh, You might not be very disciplined in your life. You might not be one of those people that gets up at the same time and has a a routine. You might be very undisciplined. But hopefully, during the 40 days of purpose, we'll bring in disciplines and habits uh, that will help you in your spiritual journey. Timothy, as Paul says, Timothy, spend your time and energy in the exercise of keeping spiritually fit. We all know that uh, we need to physically exercise our bodies. Some of us do it and some of us don't. And, uh, you know, we won't go into that, but it's obvious, isn't it? You know, uh, I don't exercise as much as I used to when I was younger. And uh, I recognise the need in my life for more physical exercise. It's good for my uh, health and body. Uh, you know, if I don't exercise and I eat the wrong sorts of food, uh, I put on weight and I, I don't feel as good about myself. I realise we all know these things, uh, but just because we know them doesn't mean we're going to put them into practice. Just because we know that we ought to eat, uh, you know, our five uh, vegetables a day or whatever it is, um, you know, doesn't mean we're all going to do it. Just because we know, uh, you know, fast food and chips are not going to be healthy for us, doesn't mean we're going to stop eating. You see, we know what the right thing is to do. The difficulty always is in doing it. And it's the same in our spiritual lives. If we don't spiritually exercise, have spiritual exercises, just as, you know, we become a bit flabby and a, and a bit lethargic in our health, in our spiritual health, what happens is we become a bit lethargic and a, and a bit flabby, And uh, we lose an edge to our Christianity. And so Paul says to Timothy, spend your time and energy in the exercise of keeping spiritually fit. Keeping spiritual fit. So we're going to be having a spiritual workout. And it's going to be good for us. It's going to be good for us. Another verse, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. There's two words there that I just want to think about for a moment. Weights and sin. Weights here got nothing to do with the thing we're just talking about, about uh, keeping fit. This is, uh, I'll explain a little bit. We, well, we know what a sin is, don't we? Things that we do wrong. Uh, when we're disobedient to God, we know about that. And uh, we know that we have to try uh, to get rid of that. But what about these weights um, that, uh, that Paul talks about? You see, there's some things that aren't necessarily wrong... Uh, they're just not necessary. 
A weight can be all kind of things. It can be a relationship, it can be an expectation, it can be an activity, it can be a club, it could be a memory that you refuse to let go of, it could be a fear, it could be a job, it could be a thousand and hundred different things, but it's something that you carry around with you that actually hinders and slows you down in your spiritual journey and in your relationship with God. And the Bible says, to grow, you must learn to say no and you must learn to let go of things. And if you're serious about fulfilling your purpose in life, which we're going to be talking about, you have to make space for God in your life. And if you make space for God in life, you're going to have to cut some stuff out. To really enter into the 40 days of purpose, you know, you might have to stop doing some things that you would normally do. Because most of us are busy people. Most of us, you know, we haven't got a lot of spare time in our lives. We haven't got loads of spare time where we sat around thinking, well, what should I do next? Uh, Most of us live quite busy lives. And if we want to enter into this, and it may be that we have to cut some things out. You know, if we're going to do the devotional readings, I've done this 40 days of purpose, this will be the third time I've done it. And I've always been surprised at the number of people that have said, you know, Richard, I'm really struggling to keep up with the daily readings. Now, I reckon the daily readings will take about 10 to 15 minutes, you know, if you're just a medium to slow reader. If you if you read a lot and you fast read it, it probably takes 5 to 10 minutes. But the problem is, people would get behind. And what was supposed to become a, a great encouragement and a daily reading that we'd, we'd all read together each day, actually became a weight and a burden. And people thinking, you know, I'm three days behind, I'm four days behind, I'm five days behind. I can't do this, I can't cope, because I'm so far behind. And I dare to admit to people that I've got behind in my daily readings. And the whole thing kind of implodes on itself if you're not, if you're not careful. So what we have to do is to make sure that we make time. And for some people it would mean creating a space in your daily schedule to set aside and say, and this is going back to the discipline and saying, you know, I'm going to do this. Maybe it means going to bed 15 minutes earlier and getting up 15 minutes earlier. Maybe it means, you know, creating that space in the evening when you'd normally be watching EastEnders or Coronation Streets or whatever, just to create that space in your life uh, so that it doesn't become a weight and a burden. And so that you can really enter into this. Because we lead overcrowded lives and most of us are not very good at saying no. You know, people come and they ask us, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeless at saying no. Because, you know, most of the time what people ask me to do is good things. And uh, sometimes we have to say no to good things in order to do other things better and properly. And it is about ordering our lives. So... Let's move on. Another uh, story that we'll all be very familiar with is the story of Mary and Martha. And there's another discipline in the 40 days of purpose, and that's the discipline of putting first things first. The discipline of putting first things first. And a good example is in the story of Martha. A couple of friends of Jesus who are sisters, and Jesus comes to visit their home. And The Bible says Mary was distracted by her many tasks. Now just stop there. Mary was distracted by her many tasks. Hands up this morning if you feel distracted by many tasks. Some of you will even be sat here this morning thinking about things that you've got to do either later on today or this week. We are distracted by the many tasks. We're all the same. There's lots of things. I'm in the process of of moving house. Uh, we've kind of moved into the new mansion, pleased to hear, but we've still got other things we've, we've, we've still got to be, to be moving in. And when I was on holiday last week, I couldn't help thinking, you know, I could be moving some stuff instead of being sat here on holiday, because we get distracted, don't we, by things. And uh, it's not that these things are bad things, 
It's that they're a distraction to us and stops us concentrating. And the story of Mary and Martha helps us understand that principle of putting first things first. You know the story. Uh, you know, Martha was distracted by a many tasks. She came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sisters left me to do all the work by ourselves? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. But there is a need of only one thing, and Mary has chosen the better part. Now, Jesus isn't saying we should never wash up in life. This isn't an excuse for you to say, I'm not doing the washing up, do you? <laughs> uh, I'm spending a, um, a quiet, I've just decided to do my, my daily reading just after the meal while you're washing up. This isn't what, uh, this isn't what it's about. Here, what Jesus is saying is that there is a priority sometimes. You see, Jesus was present with them in that moment. There will be times when Jesus wasn't there, and it says that Mary has chosen the better. Very often in life, what we're called on to do is to make choices about what we do. And whether we do this or whether we do that. And Jesus is saying there are times when we have to put Jesus first. And that means saying no to other things. The principle of putting first things first. Mary has chosen the better part. You see, we've all got a to-do list. We've all got tasks that we have to do. You know, I'm not saying be lazy and be, be uh, you know, don't be uh, diligent at work and leave things undone. I'm not saying that. What I'm actually saying is that we have to create time. You see, somebody's worked out, and I, I, I've not worked this out, but somebody's worked out that the average lifespan is 25,550 days. You didn't know that, did you? 25,550 days. If you're a mathematician, you'll be able to work out how many years that is, and uh, you can inform us all. I've not done that maths. That's what the average person lives. Don't you think it would be smart or worth just taking 40 of those days out to figure out how we should live our lives, what it is that God wants us to do? 40 days out of 25,550. It's not a great deal of time when you narrow it down to that. Mary chose the better. You see, life is a choice. Uh, we have a choice. You don't have to enter into the 40 days of purpose. We've not got the deacons, they're not going to act as police, and they're not going to come and check up on you and say, where are you up to in your reading? Have you, ent- have you been to a small group this week? We're not going to check up on you. We're going to encourage you and, uh, and, you know, and then try and help you to engage in it, but the choice is yours. You can fully engage with it, or you can stand on the sidelines and watch. You know, in church, a lot of the times... Uh, we are, you know, what we do is, is we sit in and watching something that's happening at the front. And the danger with that is sometimes uh, we become spectators rather than participators. We get used to the idea of watching somebody else doing the work. And, uh, you know, some churches actually think we employ a, a minister to do the work so that we don't have to do it. And, uh, of course, you know that's not the case. You know that we're in this together. And uh, that we're not spectators, we're not just watching what's going on and somebody else is doing, we're actually participating. That's what we're called to do. And uh, Paul says this again in his letter to Philippians, God is always at work in you to make you willing and able to obey his own purpose. Willing and able, he gives you the desire, the willpower. There's something, there's a spark in each one of us uh, that God whole shaped in each one of us because God has created his made us and so it's obvious that the person who made us knows what the purpose is for our lives it's common sense most of this and in these next 40 days 
uh, we hope that people will be able to make more sense of what's going on in their lives. So then, what does it take? It takes discipline. It means about creating habits in your life um, that will build you up and help you and strengthen you. And then finally, why should I do it? You know, why should I bother? What's, what's the point? Uh, why should I uh, enter into this spiritual journey? What's in it for me? Uh, well, actually, there's lots in it for you. Uh, as there is in our relationship with God. Uh, there's so many benefits about being in a relationship with God. And many of us know about these benefits. But if there was no benefits whatsoever in us relating to God, if there was no benefit whatsoever, why should we do it? Well, the cross. You see, because of the cross, you see, Jesus, he gave himself completely. He came and he lived and he died for us, for each and every one of us. And most of us know that. He died for us, he gave himself so that we could enter into a relationship with God. This is the gospel, this is the Christian message. And as some of you have trusted and recognised that and have enjoyed his forgiveness. Others of you, maybe you've not really understood that fully. Maybe you don't really fully understand that, that Christ died for you. And because of that, everything that you've ever done wrong can be forgiven. And you can enter into a relationship with God. You can have the slate wiped clean. You can receive Jesus Christ today into your life. Because of the cross. He died for us all. He died for every single person that ever lived. And there are people out there that don't understand that. And the 40 Days of Purpose is an opportunity for us to invite people to engage in the purpose of life and to journey with us. And I would again encourage you, if you've got friends who are interested or inquiring about the Christian faith, this is an excellent thing to invite them to. Even if you just invite them on a Sunday morning. And so, the cross... He died for us all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. You see, we don't live any longer for ourselves. We live for God. And again, we know it, but we don't always put it into practice. You know, when we go out on a Monday morning, the people think, oh, there's Edmund, he's living for God. The people think there's Peter, he's living for God. The people think there's Roy, he's living for God. Is that what people think? Is that what we think? You see, we know in our we know in our minds that we we would say yes, we're living for God. That we've we've, we've accepted Jesus into our lives, uh, but so often we go back to that portion of the pie and we think, well, this bit's for God, but this bit's for me, and this bit's for somebody else. Well, Jesus gave everything through the blood of His Son. We are set free from our sins. God forgives our failures because of His overflowing kindness. This is the gospel and it's a great gospel and the good news remains good news and it's just as good news today as it was 2,000 years ago. And we need to be better at sharing it and better at telling people so that they can enter into this freedom. So many people's lives are, are kind of wrapped up and imprisoned and Jesus just wants to set people free. Through the blood of his son we are set free. And then in Romans 12, brothers and sisters, in view of all we have just shared about God's compassion, I encourage you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, dedicated to God and pleasing to him. You see, Jesus died for us and the cost is that we die to ourselves and that we live for him. 
You see, we have a, a destiny. And because of the cross, we will live forever and ever. We are promised eternity. People matter to God. And God is far more important than anything else that we might have to do this week, this month, this year. And I urge you, you know, not to miss out on what's going to be happening. If you're not in a group yet, sign up today. If you don't have time, make time. Paul says to uh, the Corinthians, we beg you, please don't squander one bit of this marvellous life God has given us. Are you squandering your life or are you living for Jesus? The very first verse we read this morning, make the most of every opportunity you get. God has given you this opportunity to enter into a relationship with him. And God is giving us this opportunity to enter into a relationship with him. Lord, I've heard the news about you. I'm amazed at what you have done. Lord, do great things once again in our time. Make those things Happen again in our own days. And that's what we're praying for over these 40 days. That God will be at work. In the lives of individuals, in the life of the church, in the life of the community, in the life of the children and the Sunday school and the teachers. This is an opportunity. And it starts next week. So let's just pause. And let's just bow our heads. And let's just pray together. Father, we already know that you're going to do some amazing things in our midst when we begin the 40 days of purpose. Lives are going to be changed. People are going to come into a relationship with you. Friendships are going to be made. We already thank you in advance. We thank you that you're going to change people's hearts. We thank you for the people that are being willing to open up their homes and host small groups. We pray for the people that have been invited. But most of all, we thank you for the cross. Thank you that you sent Jesus into this world to die so that we could come into relationship with you. Help us not to trivialize what you have done. Help us to make it the most important thing in our lives. Help us not to sit on the fence, but to step out and be committed. Help us to live the lives that you want us to live. Help us to discover the purposes that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.